Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to La Liga Lowdown and we're back with our Match Day 2 preview podcast. I'm Sam Leverage and I'm joined today by everyone's favourite angry Valenciano Paco Polit. How are you doing Paco? <laughs> Hi Sam. Uh, actually I'm not that angry this morning, you know, but you know things can change during the rest of the day. Usually Valencia or Levante are the ones uh, causing that kind of trouble, but uh, yeah, I think that we have many things to speak about uh, regarding match day two. So I'm going to be as calm as possible and as relaxed as possible. Exactly. Yeah, I'm sure we'll get onto Valencia and what they've done to make you angry this week. But but let's start off with we have a bit of a Super Sunday going on this weekend. So I think the headline fixture of the weekend is the ten o'clock local time kickoff on Sunday evening. That's Real Sociedad against Barcelona. Paco, Barcelona didn't score last weekend and Laria had the best defence at home last season. I mean, do you think this could be a tricky game for Xavi? Um, you see, most of the time, um, I'm actually unable to watch the 10 games in any single match day, but I try my hardest to, at least on match day one and the first couple of games, to actually see all of them. And um, I think it's too soon to, to predict how Barca are going to behave, but I didn't dislike them. Uh, on their game against Rayo Vallecano, I, I think that did generate the chances, but they had, you know, that uh, luck they lacked at the at the finishing. I think it's just a, a matter of time that they that they eventually click, that things uh, fall into into place. It's true that the Real Sociedad last season were very very proficient at home, because I believe that the the stats are that they allowed only well, half a goal throughout the the season per game which is absolutely amazing. You know, it's even better than Real Madrid. Uh, overall, they had less than one goal per game allowed against them. So uh, overall, they did very well defensively. It's going to be like a, a clash of, of styles, even though Real Sociedad are always a threat uh, on the counter. And, and I think that it's going to be a, a very interesting game because the, the play styles are very different. Yeah, I mean, all that attacking talent, Rafinha, Lewandowski, Dembele coming up against... Yeah, Sociedad, I mean, they only scored, conceded nine goals at home last season. I mean, that's pretty pretty incredible. And another factor that could come into play back is Larial's record against the big teams. I mean, mm. we look at their record against the top three teams in La Liga, Barcelona, Madrid and Atletico, and they haven't beaten any of them since September 2019. They last beat Barcelona in April 2016. I mean, do you think that's kind of a mental barrier for Manuel Guardiola and, and his team? 
I think it must be very frustrating for Alguacil because uh, most of those games, even though they were unable to win, they did play very well. And, and most of the time they were able to, uh, you know, put big, big teams in, uh, against the ropes. But ultimately, always something was lacking. And um, actually, I think those uh, games they didn't win against the top three were the ones which eventually plunged them down from the uh, struggle and the fight for the Champions League spots. They finished sixth last season, but in some uh, moments of the year, it seemed that they were able to be contenders for the top four. Uh, which is a pity because I think La Real Sociedad are a very interesting side to watch. But uh, yeah, if they are able to change that mentality and win those games against Atletico, Barca, Real Madrid at some point, they might be able to to get in, themselves into that race this this season. Yeah, I think it's going to be a, a very difficult race. And another team, of course, that is going to be in that race is Villarreal. And they're in the, the game before that. Another really entertaining and exciting La Liga fixture. We've got Atletico Madrid against Villarreal at 7.30 kickoff on Sunday evening. I mean, Paco, I feel like all week this week, every time I've looked at the news, it's been Villarreal in the headlines with transfer rumours. I mean, whether it's Pervis Estupiñan, Juan Foy, yeah. Cavani, Sadiq. I mean, do you want to tell us a little bit about what's going on at Villarreal, why they've left their business just so late in the window and who's coming in and who's going out? Well, I, I don't think they left uh, that many... Uh, negotiations till the last minute because they, they try to actually do things at the beginning of the market but sometimes things don't fall into place and that's why this season uh for example Stupinian ha had been a target for Brighton for for quite a while already and and finally they were able to you know iron out the kinks and and make the deal uh official um so Stupinian is out um also Sadiq, a player they have been following very closely from Almeria and obviously they are not the only ones interested in him but such a striker who did very well last season in Segunda um the the shake uh, from Almeria has already said stated that they are going to sell him the price tag is going to be around 30 million but I am not really sure that Villarreal are going to splurge the cash for him I think they are going to come up with another you know middle ground uh, move and let's see if Almeria ultimately accepts and then you have <clears throat> people um, who might you know ultimately come to to Villarreal as Cavani. Cavani has been a target for Villarreal for already I believe four or five weeks. Um, his salary is very very high. Other teams are following him. Valencia, you know teams in Italy, teams in the uh, in other places. Okay actually Boca Juniors was was one of the uh, teams where he was um, trying to get lured in, but uh, I think Cavani, his family, his whole environment wants to play here in La Liga, so Villarreal or Valencia, those might be his his destinations. And then Juan Foyt, Barca are you know, very keen on signing Juan Foyt because his play style, the, the play style of the Argentinian fits in what Xavi wants, but Villarreal has said that, stated that the price tag is 42 million. If Barca want Juan Foyt, they will have to play. And finally, the most mind-boggling move of this week has been Paco Alcácer's um, transfer to the Emirates. Uh, I'm not really sure why a guy with 29 years, I believe he's, he's 30 he's, um, in, in 2022, is already giving up on his career in La Liga or in European competitions and going to the Emirates to play for Al Sharha. Uh, FC. I'm I'm not you know dissing on 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 this team, but I think that the level of you know football um, demanded over there is so so low when compared to La Liga 
that I'm not really sure why um, Paco Alcácer has decided on that offer instead of trying, you know, other things over here in Spain or in other European competitions. Yeah, I mean, Alcácer was linked with the move back to Etafe and obviously kind of having been at Barça, Dortmund, Valencia and now Villarreal. I mean, it does seem a strange move. He's 28, he turns 29 in a couple of weeks. So, I mean, yeah, he's still definitely. got plenty of, of time left in those legs. But, I mean, Villarreal do have attacking talent. I mean, they scored three goals last weekend, as did their opponents this weekend, Atletico Madrid. And, I mean, last season, these the two fixtures between these teams both ended 2 all in a 2 all draw, so four goals in all of them. I mean, can we expect to see more goals this weekend, Paco? I'm not sure if you saw Atletico against Atafe last weekend. I mean, what did you make of their performance? I was really surprised in, in match day one of the quite amount of, you know, three nils that we saw both uh, home and away, which is not very, you know, something which doesn't happen very often. I think that maybe a new La Liga follower uh, might mm, feel a bit betrayed uh, when, you know, teams eventually get themselves uh, more tight at the back. They are able to to improve their play style. Uh, those kinds of scores are not going to to be seen, you know. And, and I, I actually saw Atletico much more proficient uh, when generating chances and scoring. Um, I expect goals in both sides uh, between Atletico and Villarreal, but playing at home, uh, you know, the sheer quality that Atletico have, because if you compare the squads uh, between Atletico and Villarreal, I think that they can go toe-to-toe with their starting lineups, okay? Perfectly, Villarreal are right up there with uh, Atletico, Barca, Real Madrid. But when the game, you know, develops a bit more, you go into the second half, you have to get people from in from the bench. And Atletico have so many players to pick from. You know, the bench the other day was absolutely amazing. And players coming in, you know, Correa, uh, you know, it, it was so incredible. And, and that was the reason for them to be able to sustain such a level of intensity for the 99 plus minutes that the game took place. So I think with Atletico, Atletico will come on top, but uh, Villarreal will give them a run for their money. That's the main issue with Villarreal this season. They are Champions League contenders, but they need a bit more of bench depth if they want to keep their... Uh, status for the whole for the whole season. Yeah, exactly that. I mean, you look at the Atletico bench with Correa, Griezmann, Cunha, Carrasco, yeah. all kind of forward players. It's mind-bending because I think it's it's and... a bench on the level or or even superior to both uh, Real Madrid and and uh, Barca. They oh. obviously have better lineups, much better lineups in my view. But if you have to pick like eighteen top players, Atletico have all of them eighteen. Which can play, um, which can be interchanged, without the team really lowering its level. Whereas for Barça and Real Madrid, there are some specific p- places, positions on the pitch where I cannot say that. That's the greatness of what Simeone has been building on the last eleven years. Big words, Paco. Big words, and obviously Alvaro Morata. Morata has got six goals in his last three games. So what is happening with that form? guy? He he's suddenly learned to score. Backup. Yeah, he suddenly learned how to score. We'll see how long it lasts. It might only last until this weekend, but we're going to enjoy it while it does last. Now, Paco, I'm going to ask the, the delicate question. I mean, in our notes before the podcast, I put what happened at Valencia this week, and you told me it's not this week, it's last night. I mean, what has gone on at Valencia oh. over the last 24 hours, Wednesday night into Thursday morning? Well, m- many things, many things. Uh... 
the, the sports uh, area can be easily summed up. Uh, Nico Gonzalez came from Barca on loan for one season, no option to die, so he's going to try to reinforce uh, Valencia's midfield, and he actually played already on the first game against Girona, so I think that's a very, um, you know, on-point signing because Valencia absolutely needed him. Whereas for the executive board on Wednesday, Valencia uh, went up in flames once again. All the top executives are gone. They have been fired by Peter Lim. They knew nothing before such thing happened. Uh, so the um, general director is gone, Shombai. The president of the Valencia Foundation is gone, which is Theo Suigwey. Another top executive, Joey Lim, is gone. Nothing to do with Peter Lim. They are not relatives. He's gone already. And Lei Hun Chan is back again as the new old president for the club. Um, nobody really knows why this has been done. And nobody really knows. And I think it's absolutely mind-boggling why this is done on August 17th with two weeks to go. Uh, of the transfer market because these individuals were the ones which were uh, negotiating with the players, uh, extending contracts. Remember Gaya, Soler, uh, Hugo Guillamón, they want uh, all of them to stay, even though I think it's going to be really tough to, to happen. Um, they were the ones having the talks with, you know, Cavani's brother environment to try to lure him into the, to the club. And suddenly you have all of the people taking big decisions uh, gone from the club. Why has this happened? I have no clue. You know, nobody really knows what Peter Lim is doing. And the only new tidbit I can add is that his son, Kiat Lim, which is a young entrepreneur related to both football and uh, uh, technology areas of the business, uh, he has come into Valencia as a new member of the board. But uh, I think that we have to wait and see how things develop to see if these kind of changes um, um, Valencia into being able to make more signings or if, you know, the tight budget is going to remain because I think we are in for the latter. Yeah, no, it's going to be an interesting few weeks until the end of the transfer window for Valencia and they'll start that, that era Jorge with the Mendes final time. Yeah, yeah, Jorge, Jorge Mendes, Mendes is going Mendes to be time. the one to, to, you know, make the, the calls and, and call the shots because that has been the way it has been for many, many years. But, you know, we expected something better. And suddenly this kind of decision making, that you know, takes us back to uh, very, very dark uh, moments in the recent history of, of the club. Yeah, and that will all kick off again, this new old era, as you put it, back uh, against Athletic Club at San Mames on Sunday in the early kickoff. And we'll have Ernesto Valverde, of course, back in charge for his second game. and still mm. looking for his first goal back at, at Athletic. Um, but let's move on to the, the final game of the, the so-called big teams in La Liga, which is the Saturday night, another late kickoff. It's Celta Vigo against Real Madrid. Both of these teams were involved in comebacks last weekend and contrasting ends of it. So Celta Vigo conceded a 98th minute equaliser against Espanyol, whereas Real Madrid came back from behind to beat Almeria. How do you think that's going to impact this game and the way the two teams come into it, Michael? Well, I think that, uh, you know, there are a number of, of talking points in the in the preview for this game. For example, all of the Casemiro stuff, you know, that uh, every reporter uh, covering Real Madrid has already stated that it's up to the player. You know, Casemiro has to decide and has to make a decision. So Manchester United has made a, a bid for him. Uh, 
uh, in the moment we are both talking, Sam, he hasn't, you know, made up his mind. If he wants to stay, he wants to go. And also Real Madrid, they don't have the need to sell him, even though the offer is quite high. I believe it's around 60 million euros. Uh, Real Madrid actually don't need to sell Casemiro. They can uh, keep him in, in, in the fold because they, they have the cash to, to allow it. So um, let's see what happens with him. Ultimately, I think one of the reasons for Real Madrid dominating in the last few years has been that triangle in the midfield, Casemiro, Toni Kroos and, and Luka Modric. Um, and regarding the game, also I think it's it's always a, a beauty to see, you know, a one-man army against Real Madrid, like Diago Aspas on his own trying to, uh, you know, make the, the Titan to fall. Um, I actually think that Real Madrid were not that brilliant in their first game. They were able to come back in the second half, but... Um, I've come to, you know, make peace with myself regarding how Real Madrid tackles their games, most of them at least, and it's that they only spend the necessary energy to make the, you know, to, to do the job, to have the job done, because they are not going to spend an inch of or a, a tidbit of extra energy to score one extra goal or whatever. If they can win it one, two with a uh, score overturn in the second half, they will do absolutely that because they don't need more. And that's why they are able to sustain the the energy and the precision and the, and the play style throughout the whole season. As uh, Ancelotti said the other day that he's going to, you know, perform more rotations this year. And that's why most of their games are going to be very close ones. It doesn't really mean in the scoreline, at least, it doesn't mean they are going to be close on the pitch, but 1-2, one, 1-0, one um, three, two. That's what Real Madrid needs, and they, that's what they need, and that's that we're going to go through. So, I don't know if Celta are going to really, you know, tickle them into 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 fighting for the for the game. But obviously, they are the big favorites, and they should win against against Delta. Yeah, that'll be an interesting one to keep an eye out for. So, we're just going to take a quick break now, but stick with us, and we will be back to look at the rest of the action at the top and the bottom of the table as we look at the rest of the weekend. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. 
If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome back. It's me, Sam Leverage. I'm still here with Paco Poli, and we're now going to take a look at the rest of the games that are coming up in La Liga this weekend. Let's start off, Paco, with one of the teams who are joint top at the top of the table. That's Real Betis. It's been a weird week for them. They weren't able to register their signings or their players who renewed their contracts. Players like Luis Enrique, Luis Felipe, Joaquin, Claudio Bravo. So missing some real key players. But then they were superb against Elche on Sunday, a 3-0 win. Mm. I mean, do you think they can keep it up against Mallorca this weekend? Obviously, yes, because they have the uh, you know the um, the play style from the past two seasons. They have the the experience. They have the players. Even though it's true that it's very inconvenient for them to not be able to to get everyone registered. Even though eventually, I believe that before August thirty first, they were able to fix that up. Um, but yeah, I think that is are a, a, a weird team to to analyze because for for starters they were able to you know beat Valencia last season in Copa del Rey and they have such a interesting way of playing that they are able to reach a high football level without actually having such proficient players it's all on the play style not really on the quality of the players they have quality players okay they have and and actually I think that um Borja Iglesias, for example, has kickstarted this season much better than last year. Last year, it was like a, a a diesel engine trying to, you know, get into the flow, get into the mix, try to score. And he struggled in that sense this season. I think he has, you know, hit the ground running in that sense. But um, I wasn't impressed with Elche. I think they will fall prey to, to Betis and they will get their, their second win. But in, in their case... Pellegrini is the key for everything. He's like the, the crucial element here, the, the play style, the way he trains, the way he manages the side. And I don't think that not being able to register all of the players isn't going to be a big um, uh, big inconvenience for them, at least in the first couple of games, even though they will have to fix it before before the end of the, of the, of the month. Yeah, exactly that. And I mean, you touched on Borja Iglesias there. He scored against Elche in match day one. He didn't score until match day nine last season. And that could be the difference between... Betis kind of pushing into that top four or, or yeah. not. So it will be interesting to see. And that could come at the expense of Sevilla, of course. I mean, mm. they play by Valladolid this weekend. I think it's fair to say that both of them struggled and were a little bit disappointed last weekend. I mean, Valladolid a 3-0 defeat at home to Villarreal in their first game back in Primera. It's the Friday night fixture again, a 10 o'clock kickoff on Friday night. Paco, I mean, I think both teams desperately need a win. I made my thoughts on Sevilla clear in the season preview that I think they're going to struggle this season. But which of these two teams needs a win more? I know it's only match day two, but I think both of them already feel a little bit nervous and anxious about getting that first three points on the board. Obviously, Sevilla, hands down. If not, there's going to be like super trouble in Sanchez Pizjuán because the whole preseason has been largely disappointing for them. Even though no title, no silverware has been uh, on the line, 
But I think that many of the fans have been, you know, carrying in from last season the disappointment for them ultimately not really reaching the heights that they were expected to. At some point, remember, Sevilla were the, the leaders of the of the table for quite a few weeks, actually. But then there was, you know, the the, the plunge from the heights. They began losing uh, games. They began drawing a lot of games, which was what uh, ultimately um, marked their their demise from the top four. Uh, and even though at the end they were able to, you know, fix it in some way, fans expected more because the team is very, very talented. And I think that uh, with players such as Isco, for example, coming in, it's true that some of the big players have left, you know, Diego Carlos, by the way, um, very unlucky um, injury this, this week. Uh, I think that Sevilla are expected to deliver greatness. And that's why Lopetegui is already feeling the pressure and we are only in match day two. So definitely Sevilla need the win. Uh, my regular bets would be that they are going to get it at home because I think that the atmosphere is going to be very, very intense. And in that sense, uh, Lopetegui is already, you know, uh, racing against the clock because he has to get the pieces into place. He has to make the team to play good football, nice football, attractive football and win games. Uh, because, you know, um, Sevilla Sunbase really, really resembles what Valencia used to be back in the 2000s. And that kind of demands and pressure on the team can make it or break it. It can make it to soar to incredible heights or in some points, you know, make the manager to be really, really worried, as has been the case on the on the last few days. Yeah, I mean, Sevilla, you touched on it there, the number of draws they had. Well, five of their last six La Liga games have been yeah. draws and the final day win over Athletic. I mean, looking beyond that, the only two other games they've won since February were against Granada and Levante, both teams who were relegated. So, I mean, Sevilla really not in great form at the end of last season. And I think they're going to they're gonna need to turn that around quite quickly to start this season as well. But, I mean, they still have time on their side and even with that pressure on Lopetegui. And now we're going to take a look at another game where... Well, there's a new coach involved and it's a man who was linked with Sevilla as a potential replacement for Julian Lopetegui, which is Diego Martinez. Yeah. Uh, Espanol, I mean, they face Rayo Vallecano this weekend, the other Friday night game, an eight o'clock kickoff this one. I think this will be an interesting game. I mean, Espanol didn't look too great against Celta Vigo, but as we mentioned earlier, they got that 98th minute possible equaliser on his debut as well. I mean, what can we expect from them? I mean, Rayo only won two away games in at all last season and they were against Barcelona and Espanyol so this is back to the same haunting ground I mean what are we expecting from this game I mean who would be your prediction to, to win this one actually we're talking about possibly the two worst away sides last year because I believe Espanyol only won once against Valencia by the way on uh, December 21st a game which was played at Mestalla it was the only win away from home last season and Rayo uh we are more, more or less in the same in the same scenario. So, uh, yeah, I think that Espanyol um, didn't deliver the goods in in the first game against Celta, but they had that resilience, you know, to fight it till the end. And it's true that the penalty was a very very clumsy move by Mingueza. Ultimately, it was something which you don't expect from a player who comes from Barca. But again. You can blame it on him coming in from the bench only a few minutes earlier. So that Joselu goal was, uh, you know, uh, it was a, a prize which uh, Espanyol had really worked hard to to achieve. Um, I think these teams, 
in some senses are very similar because of the of the managers, you know, of Iraola and Diego Martinez. They are these young newcomers which uh, like to play a football style which is not really on par with the squad that they have. Uh, I, I'd say that Espanol have a better squad that than Rayo Vallecano. Rayo Vallecano always flawed by that those many problems coming in, stemming in from the from the board. You know, there's a a perennial uh, struggle between the Martin Presa, Rayo Vallecano's board and the fan base, and that is not going to change in the short term. Yeah, and I mean, Espanyol are one of those teams that are being considered maybe as dark horses to come into the into the race for Europe. And another one of these teams is Osasuna. They beat Sevilla last Friday night. They played Cadiz this weekend in the Saturday fixture for this weekend, the, the first of the Saturday games at 5.30. Paco, I mean, what do you think of Osasuna? Do you think they could break into those kind of teams in the European race, or is that just a little bit beyond them at the moment? I think that Osasuna, uh, especially their board and their sports direction, uh, spearheaded by Braulio Vázquez, they they really know the stuff. You know, they really know how to manage properly a club, how to uh, you know refurbish in some way and, and restyle their their own ground to become one of the you know most tightly packed grounds in, in La Liga. Uh, they have done very, very smart signings. They have a, a deep bench. They have a deep squad. Mm, I don't really think Osasuna would be on, on the level of, of, you know, Betis, Real Sociedad, Sevilla. We're talking about many, many sides. We're talking about uh, breaking into the, into the Conference League. You have to come in sixth. And that means overtaking someone at some point, because you have Barca, Real Madrid, Atletico, those three, Sevilla, Betis, Real Sociedad, Villarreal. So what is your uh, perspectives uh, looking into the end of the season, coming in eighth? I see Osasuna coming in eighth perfectly, like some, that's something that could easily happen. But, you know, breaking into the top seven, top six, that is a whole different affair. So unfortunately for Osasuna, they, they will have to fight for it very, very intensely throughout the whole season in order to to make it in. Getafe, on the other hand, I really expected more from them in the first game against Atletico. I thoroughly admire Kike Sanchez Flores as a manager. I think they have made possibly the best signings this summer, like top quality players in many positions. We're talking about Borja Mayoral, uh, Luis Milla in the midfield, you know, they have done a, a, an excellent job at reinforcing the team. But making them to work all together takes time. So that's why I think that Espanol, uh, Getafe are going to take a bit more time to, to you know, find their flow and find their, their ebb and, and go into the games with a, a bit more confidence. So I expected more from Girona. I wasn't really impressed with them. I think that they have to improve quite a lot against uh, Getafe at Montilivi. So... Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see how the bottom half of the of the league behaves because, uh, you know, Sam, you have to position yourself into what kind of team you want to be. And if you get plunged into the depth of the table from the beginning, you're in for a very, very uh, unpleasant season ahead of you. And it's a very long season. Remember that there's a break with the World Cup. So all of them will need the, the wins as soon as possible if they don't want to suffer. And Alche versus Almeria and Girona Getafe, the two Monday night fixtures, which uh, there's a lot at stake for all four of those teams involved there. So I think that's a, a nice way to wrap up. Thank you very much, Paco. Anything else that you think we should be looking out for in particular this weekend? Any game you're particularly excited about? Well, if uh, I want to be a bit on a more positive note, uh, 
if I had to speak about the recently promoted sites, for example, which one is going to get the first win? Uh, I think Almeria because of the, let's see if Sadik plays, by the way. Uh, but I think that they have the, you know, the, the, the tools necessary to get that, that first win. And overall, I think that as a, as a general rule of thumb, till you get to match day four or five, you don't really have a good uh, sense of what the teams are going to deliver this, this year. I think that these first games are the ones of surprises, surprising scores, surprising games, uh, surprising breakout stars, which seem that are going to be like, you know, incredible this season and suddenly they disappear. So uh, it's not really the same. The first couple of games where teams don't really know each other, the scouting hasn't been done properly. Uh, but when you get to the first month of the competition, now you know the rest of them, you know how they play, they know the opposition. So uh, I think these are the games that we should enjoy much more. You know, there's not the drama, you don't have the you know the the cruelty of being relegated or of winning silverware or whatever but but you have the excitement of you know going gung-ho against the opposition something that we are not really going to see from match day four or five onwards yeah plenty of surprises in store and some some exciting features in segunda as well as Aragoza levante malaga las palmas hmm. all taking place this weekend so plenty of action across spain for you to get stuck into this weekend thank you very much for joining us paco thank you sam and stay tuned to La Liga Lowdown, where we'll be covering all of the games across Twitter. We've also launched our new newsletter on Substack, so you can sign up there and keep up to date with all the latest goings on in La Liga, including the weekend action. And then we will be back at the end of the weekend with a recap of all of the action as it happens. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 